0: All right, Thursday, April 9th, it's 9 o'clock at night, Matt Etlinger, courtside, 5th edition, bringing back in Andy Moore out of New Hampshire. Andy, how what are you? I- <laughs> so, last night, I had a chance to listen to the two-hour-long Howard Stern interview and uh, w- with Tom Brady, and First off, I think Howard Stern is really the best interviewer of all time. There's Howard and then there's really everyone else. And, and Howard is able to create an intimacy with his guests where they feel comfortable sharing personal details about their life that really they would have otherwise not done so. And with a guy like Tom Brady, who really holds things close to the vest, and, and, and that's partly because of his personality specifically, it's also partly because of the pedigree of coming from the Patriot way, uh, that corporate kind of culture where really you really don't wanna see anything that's gonna uh, be politically incorrect or, or be taken out of context. Uh, yeah, I
1: totally agree. The, the Patriot way is very, very buttoned up for sure.
0: Very buttoned up, and uh, and also, you know, we live in a day and age where athletes can't—they can't talk anymore to the media. We talked about this on another podcast, but you know, athletes can't say anything anymore, right? So they they can't say anything in a post game interview because there's there's a huge blogosphere bigger than it's ever been. There's social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all these things, and and it's it's a shame that athletes are afraid to to talk anymore. And that's why when you get a guy like Tom Brady, who uh, I'm, I know I'm not going to get any argument uh, from you on this, but he's the most accomplished football player of all time, and you get a guy like that to join Howard Stern, uh, who you know who, who we think is the best interview of all time, and that's why we were, we were so excited to to really, you know, that was such an anticipated interview last night.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, as as soon as it dropped, the the. The quotes and everything were were coming out, you know, mid-interview. It was awesome. Um, And then getting a chance to go back and listen to it afterwards. Um, Yeah, like you said, Stern does such a great interview. And I've heard other interviews he's done with other celebrities. And he does. He gets people to open up uh, to him, like, unlike any other uh, interviewer. And it's, it's great because, you know, obviously the length of the interview, you're obviously able to dive a little deeper than... Uh, you know, the, the typical interview that Tom Brady does. So, um, yeah, a lot of great stuff in that interview, a lot of uh, eye opening stuff, uh, even for somebody who has followed him as closely as I have uh, during his whole career.
0: Yeah. So just just everyone does, you know, just to get it out there. You know, I'm from New York. I'm a big New York Jets fan. And Brady has obviously crushed my dreams over the years. <laughs> Andy is obviously, you know, for everyone who doesn't know, Andy is, you know, we both went to UMass, but Andy is a fanatical uh, Patriots fan. Uh, we were together when Brady won his first Super Bowl back in 2001. But the thing that I, I think Andy will, you know, for me, you know, uh, I, I, I as much as I hated Brady over the years, you I, you have no choice but to respect what he's done over the life of his work. And I, I bet you f- feel kind of similar being a, a Red Sox fan. You feel kind of the same way about about Derek Jeter.
1: Oh, absolutely. I've always said uh, Derek Jeter is one of my favorite athletes um, of all time. Uh, I just always respected uh, the way he went about it, um, the way he played the game. He was always really clutch um, in October. uh, And again, champion, won four rings, uh, five rings actually. um, And so uh, yeah, I always respected Jeter and, and like I said, honestly one of my favorite players. I hated the Yankees obviously, and there's a few players on those teams that I couldn't stand, uh but Jeter wasn't one of them. I always respected Jeter.
0: But you know, so so the reason I want to do this pie with the end is because you know, a lot of people don't are, don't have 2 hours, right? To listen to that interview, right? I and mean, oh, it, sure, it, sure. it was a little was- over 2 hours. So what I wanted to do is just quickly, you know, I want to sum up what I thought were the four main kind of parts. Uh, of the interview and, and to me what it really boiled down to was you know it, it talked a lot about Brady's development and his background a little bit of his personal life growing up it, it, then it got into his time with the Patriots his playing days on and off the field uh some you know camaraderie that he had in the locker room of course they discussed what everyone wanted to hear about which was you know how how the split up went with Belichick and, and, and Bob Kraft and then uh you know of course in, in classic stern fashion he was able to get some personal details about his family life and Giselle so you know, just going into the beginnings and the background about Brady. You know, you know the thing. The thing obviously people know about Brady is that he got drafted in the sixth round. He wasn't even the starter at Michigan, but he also wasn't even the starter in his high school team. I mean, it, based on the interview, Brady essentially said that unless the guy that was ahead of him on the on the quarterback jet chart in high school, unless that guy decided to quit playing uh, uh, high school football and, and, and focus all of his attention on basketball brady would not even have the chance to have proven what he could do and get a chance to go play at michigan which i thought was interesting and then you know he gets to michigan he's homesick there he's not getting the reps he's not getting playing time and lucky for him he hooks up with this therapist who really says look man you got to stop acting like you're the victim like you got to stick around you got if you're getting three reps you got to make the most of your three reps and Brady made a conscious decision to stay stay the course. He stayed there. He had to talk with his coach Lloyd Carr, but he decided to stay the course, and he made the best of his three reps, which then turned into five reps, which then turned into fifteen reps, and then you know then he gets onto the playing field and he gets a chance to prove himself and he gets drafted. And you know, uh, I also thought it was kind of funny. You know, Stern asked him a lot about you know back in high school. You know, he's he's a you know Brady's a tall guy. He's a good-looking guy. He's a great athlete. And you know it must have been tempting to get involved with some partying, smoke a little weed, drink a few beers. And I was actually pretty. I thought it was pretty cool that Brady was honest about. It. He's like, man, you know, he's like, I, I, I drank a few beers. I smoked a little weed. But you know what? Like, I didn't want to disappoint my dad. You know, his dad was uh, almost going to be a priest, and he decided to be run his own business as an insurance, uh, small business insurance owner. Uh, So he always felt like, you know, he saw his dad get up early in the morning, go to work every day, and he didn't want to disappoint his dad. And I think he was kind of lucky, Brady, you know, to have his dad in his life to kind of keep him on that right track. So,
1: no, I mean, I think I I think a lot of times, you know, your parents help uh, develop their children, obviously, as they grow up. And I think Brady had a couple of great parents um that like like he expressed in the interview never wanted to disappoint um and i think that probably uh helped to keep him on the straight and narrow a little bit probably more than you know maybe some of his teammates uh during the high school days uh, but probably kept him in line in michigan too you know he probably never got out of control in high school um and then you know wasn't really ready for that party lifestyle in michigan either so um, yeah, he, he,
0: he, it was pretty cool. It, it was pretty cool that even Stern was able to get him to say exactly. And to, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. We, to get him was you know to, to humanize him a little bit. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I, I would not have expected that going into that interview.
1: No, absolutely not. For him to admit some of the things he admitted in this were absolutely incredible,
0: pretty amazing. So, yeah, so then, you know, they get into his time with the Pats, and I don't, I don't know if you remember the interview, but Stern really, he was like, hey, man, he's like, did you ever confront the players in the locker room, try to motivate them? And he was essentially saying, if they ever dropped a bunch of balls in the road, did you ever go up and say, hey, man, I put that ball, like, right on the money, like, how did you drop that pass? You know, like, and and, and he asked some questions about, like, you know, if he, if he, um, if it bothered him, that Belichick maybe got more credit than he did. And, and um, and you know and, and you know Brady didn't really answer those questions too much. He gave kind of Brady answers, he, political answers. Didn't want to really throw anyone under the bus. Stern asked him about who was the best Patriot receiver that he ever threw to. He wouldn't name one of them. You know, you thought he would just maybe say Moss or maybe Edelman. He didn't name either one. He obviously didn't want. He, he was being Brady there. You know, he asked him if he thought uh, Joe Montana if he was better, flat out. The best quarterback of all time. Are you better than Joe Montana? He wouldn't answer the question there. So that was kind of what you would, a little bit of what you expect. But then I thought it was pretty funny when Stern got into the, you know, the locker room, you know, when he was talking to him about essentially you know Stern's you know he Stern's always had that issue with having a small penis as he would say oh man this whole thing
1: was like, wrong
0: <laughs> yeah he's, he's like Tom he's like I never wanted to be I never wanted to be uh in sports and athletics because I always felt like I had a small penis and I didn't want to show it in the locker room and he's like Tom did I did that ever happen to you I just thought it was like like only Stern could get away with that and I mean how cool would it it's just so funny and then you got Brady laughing on the other end of course again he does answer the questions but you know he you know it was just funny I mean he definitely talked though about the camaraderie in the locker room how that's unlike anything else you know anywhere out there and um, but I just thought that was like you know that that was what you're it was just the, the classic Howard Stern moments you know
1: no absolutely and that whole that whole line of questioning about the locker room and Gronk and all that stuff was just hilarious and then he went on to tell the story about you know how he got hit in the groin one time and one of his testicles was blown up the size of an orange and Matt right. Castle yeah, was right. giving him all hernia. this crap about it. Yeah, there was yeah. so many cool stories in this interview. It was just
0: Yeah. It was really awesome. And, he, and and he's asking Tom, he's like, So did you come home with that hernia with the huge testicle and like what did Giselle have to say about it? <laughs> so I mean that's like, that's just, that's the beauty of Stern. And obviously part of that is because, you know, Stern's on Sirius and, you know, you can't, you can never get something like that, obviously, on ESPN. I mean, it's just they, they can right, never even right, scratch right, the right. surface on these questions. But anyways, so then they get a split and, you know, how it all ended. And, uh, you know, Belichick and, and, and the resentment and the credit and all these sorts of things. And, and then he goes over to Kraft's house at 9.30 on a Monday night and he says goodbye. There's the crying and um, it's emotional. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if he, he added too much there, but um, yeah, it was just kind of interesting. I don't know. Do you, you have any interesting take on that? Well,
1: my thing about that is I think I feel he's being a little disingenuous about the having making having made the decision on the drive over to Kraft's house that night. Um, you know, he also said earlier in the interview that he had kind of known that it was his last year, um, you know, last August when he didn't get the two year extension um so he sort of knew going into the season but to, to think that he didn't make the final decision until he was actually driving over there i feel like is disingenuous i think he knew um i think he knew for a while i think he knew going into the contract discussions last summer um that he wasn't going to get an extension um and that he was he he i think he knew he wasn't going to get it he maybe he was hopeful that they would finally um, you know, give him that security for the end of his career to, to retire as a Patriot, but it didn't happen. And I think the writing was on the wall. Um, but, you know, so I, I think he's being a little disingenuous with that. I think it's emotional for him to leave. Obviously been somewhere for 20 years and um, especially with the relationship he has with Kraft. You know, I could see that obviously being very emotional for him. Um, but right. I, I, I don't think there's any love lost at this point between him and Belichick. I think that relationship is sort of, um, you know, they'll come back to each other, I think, in a few years and they'll be all lovey-dovey on each other. But for right now, I think, you know, it's best that they probably both part ways.
0: And it was pretty fun, you know, you know, there's there's one thing, obviously, he decides to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Howard Stern makes a hilarious joke. He's like, how did this guy, Bruce, you know, he's talking obviously about Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucs. He's like, how did this guy, Bruce, get you to come to Tampa Bay. He's like, what did he, fu- what did he suck your dick for, for an hour to get you to come there? I mean, only Howard Stern would say something like that. And mm. it was just like so funny, like the, the line that he's crossing with it. But like, you know, essentially, you know, one of the things actually that nobody has mentioned that I haven't heard on ESPN or obviously, you know, Howard Stern's not really a sports guy, but like, I thought it was so funny how, um, uh, not, not funny, but I think it's interesting Bruce Arians, he had this success story when he he brought in Kurt Warner at the end of his career in Arizona, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if Bruce Arians actually, in their kind of sales pitch to bring Tom in, you know, talked about that. Um, you know really talked about that you know how he had the experience and the lessons that he had learned from bringing a veteran quarterback and it was already accomplished well, you know, and oh well,
1: i think also you know look at look at the quarterbacks that he's worked with over his career he's worked with manning he's worked with like you said kurt warner um you know he's worked with some other great quarterbacks i think he's got a lot of things um you know in his tool belt that i think Uh, you know, maybe Tom Brady can pick his brain a little bit about, you know, how he's worked with some of these great quarterbacks over the years. I think, I think it's going to be a really a match made in heaven. Arians is a very quarterback friendly coach. Um, and so, uh, I I think that the offense is going to work great for Tom. They'll bring in a little bit of what Tom likes from what he did in new England and they'll mix it with, um, what Arians has always done. And, uh, I think they'll get some, they'll get something going pretty special there pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. And you know, one of the things I actually disagree with what Howard said was that he was talking about how, you know, Tom's going to get paid 50 million over the next two years. And he feels like that's actually almost like he's getting underpaid. And I don't know, you know, I don't really, as much as I love Howard, I don't fully agree with that. I mean, $50 million over two years is a lot of freaking money. And you know, he was saying because of the economic impact of of a guy like Tom going to Tampa Bay that he should should get paid $100 million for those two years. Well, I mean, look at the ticket
1: sales already. I mean, they've already sold out season tickets. I mean, just just that alone, I mean, has obviously made the team a ton of money. So, I mean, I can see where he's getting there, Uh, uh, you know, and I think that not only does Tom Brady bring, you know, the economic impact, you know, the numbers on the field, But I think that Tom Brady is also one of the best locker room leaders that's probably ever been in the NFL. So, you know, whether he's putting up 40 touchdowns and 5,000 yards next year, I think, you know, a lot of it comes, you know, through the leadership in the locker room and in the practice field and stuff like that. So... Um, oh yeah, I, I think I think they'll be just fine, and I think, you know, I, I would honestly agree with 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 Stern in, in the sense that I think I do think he's getting underpaid. Maybe a hundred million is a little overstating it, but you know, based on everything that's going to be factored into what he's going to bring to the team, um, yeah, I think fifty million, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is probably being underpaid.
0: Wow. Yeah, I guess you make a good point there. So then they close out essentially with, you know, a lot of the talk about Giselle and a lot of the talk about family life and you know, without going into too many details of it, you know, there's much has been made about, you know, this letter that Giselle wrote to him two years ago when she felt like Tom needed to like pick up, you know, some of the slack at home because, you know, Tom is so focused during the year on football that during the offseason, Giselle wanted a little bit more attention, but Tom has a lot of other ventures and so on and so forth. You know, I think too much was made about that in the media. You know, as you mentioned, there was already articles being written and I'm sure there's like thousands of podcasts. Uh, being talked about 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 this interview but um, you know I think there was a little bit too much written about that you know I I think marriages are you know they take work to make it work and and they go through highs and lows and it was a letter she wrote to him and I I don't think it was you know big deal she wrote a letter to him you know what I mean like no I
1: mean how many how many marriages go through ups and downs I mean I think that that's typical you know especially with a power couple like that you're working with somebody you know, not working, but, you know, your partners with somebody who is that focused, that driven, you know, that uh, into what they're doing, you know, that that is going to take away from the family time. And I think, um, you know, Tom probably just needed Giselle to wake him up and say, hey, listen, you need to have a better work, family life balance. Um, And obviously he didn't want to lose his family. And, you know, he made the necessary adjustments. I think that you know missing those you know OTAs, uh those training camps in the last few years did it make a big difference ah it's it's tough to say you know because one of the years he missed OTAs, they won the super bowl so right. you know it, it's tough to say really if it makes a big impact in the long term uh, For no, like that I, think already said it.
0: I, I think you already said it right i mean if they if they if they won the super bowl it probably didn't but you're right maybe there's a, a an effect on it for the long term. But I, you know, I thought it was, I just thought it was very interesting to see how essentially, uh, you know, they still, you know, they have to still take the garbage out and, and they have to take the kids to school and they're, and then, you know, and also that it was interesting how, you know, Brady essentially finds out early on. And and, and the whole first date to me is hilarious. How so they go on, they go to a wine bar just in New York city. You got Tom Brady, the most famous you know quarterback in the league. You got the m- most famous supermodel in the world, arguably. And they're all, you know they come together in, in a wine bar in New York and you know Stern is obviously just like thinks it's hilarious that this is the first date and they're not being swarmed obviously by people right and uh and uh you know but shortly after that you know Brady has to essentially tell Giselle that he's got you know another kid on the way with his ex-girlfriend Bridget Moynihan who by the way just on a side note I actually think my, my personal opinion I actually think Bridget Moynihan is actually legitimately hotter than Giselle I mean wow. that's just I, yeah wow yeah I know I, I mean everyone thinks I'm crazy for this but like yeah, you are just, I, guess more, <laughs> I guess he's more my type but I mean you know it is what it is like, it's just I know Giselle's a beautiful woman but like to me Bridget Moynihan's a little bit more my type but anyways um, you know I, I think we pretty much covered it all I know that he got a little bit into the politics you know he's got a friendship with Trump and it was it goes back well 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 before they're all you know golf buddies it was a little weird how Trump would just like, you know, call him up and say, Hey, man, you're a great football player. Let's go play some golf. And then, you know, they become friends. Um, I don't know. Like- I mean, that stuff again, I think
1: is overblown as the one, the one thing you heard Brady say in the interview was that I found to be, um, you know, kind of just really an interesting point is that he made that he, he, he's fine being Trump's friend, but he can't politically support him. And I think that's where he was drawing the line there in 2016, you know, he had come out, um, on his weekly interview, uh, on the radio and said, he would tell people who he was going to vote for. And then he backed off of that after the election, um, cause he knew how divisive right. it was going to be as, uh, you know, as Jordan once said, Republicans buy sneakers too. So, um, Right. You know, I, I think it was he probably a good move for him tradition. to not say a- that. And I think his whole friendship with Trump, I uh, I think, is is just that, a friendship. And I don't think it go- it goes beyond that. I think it's just really uh, just a straight friendship. And it's not has nothing to do with politics. I don't think yeah. Gis- Giselle would let it go that far.
0: Yeah, I think Brady essentially did exactly what Michael Jordan did and what Tiger Woods did. Right. They just wanted to be the best at what they were doing. They obviously want to maximize their marketing and revenue streams, but they... But they didn't essentially. They didn't want to take a political stance, which is fine. And then you know the really the last thing I thought was really really interesting, which I, which is, you know, it, is this idea. It's like how do you be how do you be hyper focused like Tom Brady, but still and and Stern tried to get this out of them. But how do you still be like a great dad and a great family man, and how do you still be Tom freaking Brady? How do you how do you be the the best football player in the league, but then also still do that, and and also how do you how do you going back to his high school days even how do you withstand the all the temptation right when he knows he's Brady and he knows that you know he, he, he could he could get any woman he wants and he could get anything he wants right how does he how does he stay humble and I think that those are interest really really fascinating concepts and you know Brady didn't really he didn't really answer it too much but I think he I think he gave enough you know I think he he, he gave enough to, to, to make it to make it interesting.
1: Oh, I mean, Tom Brady, I think it goes back to his parents. I think, you know, he's the type of guy and, and, and maybe right. we'll get into this in a future podcast about Tiger Woods. But I think, you know, I was actually speaking with uh, somebody about this this morning about the difference between Tom Brady and Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods over his career has continually burned his bridges, um, you know, in terms of relationships with people. You know, throughout his entire life, he consistently burns bridges. Tom Brady is the exact opposite. Tom Brady builds bridges with people. He builds relationships. That's why you see him, um, you know, just be so revered by people. You know, everybody around the league loves Tom Brady. You know, you're not going to get that same reaction from the guys around the, the PGA tour about Tiger Woods. You know, maybe now that he's gotten a little older, he's become a little more humble, but Tiger Woods, you know, uh, just is a totally different animal than Tom Brady. But yet both have been super successful, you know, so who's to say one, you know, one way is better than the other. But, um, you know, there's definitely a difference I,
0: might, I might, I might actually rebut your argument uh, as it relates to Jets, Bills and Dolphins fans. Um, and, and also, obviously, people in those organizations. I'm not sure that they all say that they love Tom Brady, but I respect what you're saying.
1: Well, but Tom Brady, as he did in this interview when it was referred to Belichick and Kraft, always going to take the high road. Um, you know, he's always going to, you know, never put really put anybody down, put his teammates down, put his coaches down. So, yeah. I just think he's a lot different than right, Tiger Woods. Well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, oh yeah, uh, definitely. So anyways, um, well, I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we gave people, you know, who really don't have time to listen to a a two-hour interview. Hopefully you gave them a good kind of summation of what happened. And uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I was glad to talk
1: about this. A great interview and and a lot of great insight, especially, like I said before, as someone who's followed him his whole career, like a lot of great stuff I had never heard before.
0: And you're going to, as a Patriots fan, Are you following Tom to Tampa?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm following Tom down to Tampa. Um, You know, as I said to you, you know, off air, you know, I think that the way that everything kind of played out, I just don't think that Tom Brady was treated the way that Tom Brady deserved to be treated. Um, And, you know, he went through this a little bit in the interview about how he doesn't have any resentment towards Belichick. But I think that again is a bit disingenuous. And I think that a year of knowing that he was going to be leaving probably helps to sort of quell some of that resentment. But um, yeah, I'm staying loyal to Tom Brady. I'll be following down him down to Tampa. I've been uh, already following all the Tampa uh, social media posts and uh, getting ready for the season. I'm fired up. I'm hoping to uh, take a trip down there next fall.
0: All right. There you go. One Patriots fan. About to uh, not get a creamsicle jersey, but one of the old uh, jerseys from the uh, Brad Johnson and Keyshawn Johnson and Warren Sapp. Yes, yeah, absolutely. All right, there you go, man. All right. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Have a good night. You
1: too. Talk to you later, man.